0: FS, this is fintech insider news today south african fintech stitch raises 21 million dollars in series a go Cardless enters unicorn club with 312 million dollars funding and comedian will ferrell turns fintech investor all this and more on today's show All right, Welcome to episode 602 of Fintech Insider. My name is Ross Gallagher and I'm joined on Fintech Insider News by my wonderful 11FS colleague Deepa Enakindi, Lead Product Manager. Uh, Deepa, as always, great to have you on, great to hang out. How are you doing?
1: Very well, thank you. This is our first time doing the news together.
0: I'm excited. As you know, I've already made a bit of a noise about this, but uh, yeah, it's great. Great to be doing it together, Deepa. All right, of course. And uh, as always, we are joined by some very special guests. Um, First up, making their FinTech Insider debut, which is always exciting. We have uh, Kian Pillay, co-founder and CEO of Stitch. Uh, Kian, thanks for joining us today. We'll obviously get into your news a little bit later. Really exciting time for uh, you guys. But obviously, great to have you on. Maybe you can give us uh, a little bit of a brief introduction to uh, Stitch and what you guys are doing.
2: Thanks for having me. We're big fintech insider fans uh, here in Cape Town uh, and at Stitch uh, and in all of our markets. Um, Yeah, sure. I can give you a quick um, context on Stitch. Uh, Stitch is a data and payments API. Um, Really, the idea is to make it easy for fintechs in Africa to connect to financial accounts uh, and build, operate and scale. Um, so we enable fintechs to uh, access identity information, data from those financial accounts, as well as move money um, and really uh, kick off their journey uh, as a fintech. Nice, nice, awesome. Um, yeah, great to have
0: you on and looking forward, like I say, to sort of delving into uh, your news in a little bit. Um, and uh, making a welcome return to Fintech Insider, we have uh, Catherine Beckett, CFO at GoCardless. Catherine, thanks uh, also for joining us and also a very exciting week uh, for you guys over at GoCardless. Um, I mean, becoming a unicorn, always, uh, always really exciting. Chat to that a little bit uh, later in the show, but again, uh, great to have you on.
3: Yeah, great to be back. Uh, I really enjoyed it when we did it last time, and obviously, it's been uh, not just an exciting week, but a, the build up to getting uh, the deal across the line is obviously, as always, uh, pro- you know, provides interest uh, for my team, particularly in finance.
0: Yeah, of course, and we're super excited for you guys as well. Um, and 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 as I say, super excited to uh, to dive into that story as well. So yeah, with that, um, I guess no further ado, let's uh, let's dive right in. So. Uh, Our first uh, story comes directly from Stitch. Uh, So South African fintech Stitch raises $21 million in Series A funding. So Stitch has announced a $21 million Series A funding round led by the Spruce House Partnership. Uh, Stitch is an API fintech company that enables businesses to more quickly and easily build, optimize, and scale financial products across Africa, as Kian just explained. They will use the funding to continue building the future of money movement by linking bank accounts, wallets, and other stores of value, creating what it refers to as the financial graph. The funding will be used to significantly expand the team, launch new product offerings, and enter new markets across the continent. In addition to Spruce House Capital, new investors include PayPal Ventures, True Lair, and Zinal Growth, among others. So some really big names there. The company had announced a $6 million seed round last year after it emerged from stealth in February 2021. So I think, Keanu, it'll be remiss to start anywhere else after that story. First of all, obviously, congratulations on the raise. Um, Love to sort of just get your uh, initial thoughts, initial reaction on uh, what are some really exciting news for you guys.
2: Thanks. Yeah, we are super excited. I think we... Couldn't be happier with the quality of the investors around the table. Um, I think in general, we always get excited at how diverse the investors are, one traditional VCs that have done this and have scaled this uh, you know, across multiple markets. Uh, more strategic investors such as Trulia and PayPal that you know have have built very very similar products and you know money movement engines uh, in other markets as well as a bunch of really great operators um, and founders and so we're super happy to get people on board. I think really exciting time for us uh, to build out the team to continue deepening the product as well as looking at new geographies. Um, so yeah, we we are very very excited to get going. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Um...
0: Yeah. And like you said, I mean, some real heavy hitters in their sort of incredible sort of backing, I guess, and a real sort of affirmation for what you guys are about and, and, and sort of the work that you guys are doing. Um, I mentioned in the, the sort of rundown of the story, my sort of intro, this financial graph. Can you sort of explain that concept a little bit for our listeners?
2: Sure. So I think uh, the first bullet to give some context, I think it's quite useful to think of the social graph and how Facebook has created uh, or coined the term the social graph uh, and really aims to connect people uh, and navigate through people. When we kind of think of the financial graph, uh, we really think about doing that through financial accounts, through fintechs, and through end users themselves who are using those fintechs. Uh, if you sort of zoom out and you look at the problem, uh, I think we see that just in general, moving money uh, can be a really complex thing uh, in individual markets and individual ecosystems in the African context. I think it gets exponentially harder when you try to do that across geographies uh, and across ecosystems. So for us, we you know we articulate um, our goal to try to connect these ecosystems and these participants, uh, these actors inside the financial graph. um, We we articulate this concept uh, in the term the financial graph. Uh, I think the best way to kind of describe this is through an example, um, right? So if like Chipper Cash uh, is one of our favorite partners and when you think about how money flows throughout the system, there and all the players involved, right? Like money moves from... Ross's traditional bank account into a chipper cash ecosystem. It gets sent to Catherine in another market and then it gets paid out into a traditional bank account, right? You think about that, that's, you know, almost five hops that you've had through various um, different connection points, like various geographies. Um, So for us, we really look to uh, unify all of that and make the money movement uh, process interoperable inside those markets. Uh, and in doing so, I think we make it a lot easier for fintechs to grow and scale. Um, I also think going forward, we'd like to open this up further than just bank accounts, right? I think Africa is a super interesting market, and that stores of value, go from bank accounts to mobile money to crypto um, across multiple geographies. Um, So yeah, uh, exciting to kind of think about how uh, we piece those things together.
0: I love that. So just layering on complexity on complexity. So it's not just different geographies, it's also different assets. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's a big challenge. It's certainly not uh, unambitious.
2: It is non-trivial. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. Well, Catherine, I mean, someone who knows all about making um, moving money easier, I'm keen to bring you in. What were your sort of thoughts on this story when you, uh, when you read it?
3: No, I mean, it, obviously, it's great. And huge congratulations in kind of doing a Series A, particularly with the investors that you've got on board. Uh, I'm sure they'll help you on your journey enormously. Um, I think one of the, um, there's the, the, a lot of it actually makes a lot of sense to what we do also at cardless because I think you're absolutely spot on. On face value, you'd think that moving, moving money would seem like it could be pretty straightforward. And actually, there's so much complexity to that. And reducing that complexity and make it happen real time being able to send money cross-border, these are things as well that you know Golkardis is absolutely also kind of really focused um, on achieving, though Africa not a market that we're we're even contemplating at the moment. But I think super important that there's all these new um new entrants that are really driving change in a market that we know, you know, 10 years ago was dominated by very big traditional bank uh players. And that is all going to be so much better, both for the world at wide, you know, from uh, you know, diversity and inclusion and sustainability and all of the good ESG stuff as well. So I think it's super important um, what you guys are doing.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree. And I think also, um, to your point, you can think that it's, it's relatively straightforward, but actually I think we've sort of illustrated quite well now that it's not. And I think actually if you can really improve that, maximise the sort of efficiency um, at that level, you know, the, the, the experiences then that you can start to layer on top of them obviously are completely different and the consumer experience becomes entirely different as well. Um, Deepa, what 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 are your sort of uh, your thoughts on on this story?
1: Well, firstly, I want to add my congratulations on the table. Really exciting news for you guys. Um, really excited to see, obviously, what the next few years brings. Um, I wanted just to touch on, I guess, the the African fintech scene because I know we've talked a lot about this on the show, but just such an exciting market at the moment. And you know, we continue to see more and more in the space um, so, so like super exciting space to watch. I think what's really, really exciting about this in particular, um, there are a couple of things. One is around kind of the diversity of what we're seeing around there. So what we were seeing before is, you know, we're seeing a lot of like mobile money. We're seeing a lot of payments and now we're starting to see that diversify into, as you say, into like the open banking space, into lending, into, you know, areas such as KYC. And that's really exciting Is it kind of, we see a maturity, um, in the fintech space in africa and i guess the other thing which is super exciting is we're starting to see more scale-ups so um traditionally these have been within the payment space but you know again to that maturity point it's becoming a real kind of a space to watch globally and um, and yeah just just really exciting i think we've it's been mentioned on the show before that we're seeing the trajectory kind of map um the european fintech space maybe four or five years ago and it kind of feels like that is coming, you know, becoming more and more true every day.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, incredible. It's really taking off. I mean, i really keen to sort of bring you back in and get your sort of firsthand experience. right? I mean, both from a sort of African perspective and then I suppose more particularly in a sort of South African perspective. Because, again, I know fintech penetration there is, is super high.
2: Yeah, we, uh, yeah, I mean, I think similarly has been it's just a bit of a crazy journey, right? We uh, have sort of been on this ride for about two years, uh, but have been in the African fintech ecosystem uh, for call it five before that. And, you know, every six months, it's a completely different market, right? And I think the coolest thing that we start to see these days is a lot of these scale-ups that you're talking about, Chipper Cash, Paystack, Flutterwave, people are now just referring to them as fintechs, right? I think- we used to talk about them as like, quote unquote, African fintechs, right? And we had to like almost caveat it uh, in that, you know, they, they are, you know, these slightly secondary or slightly smaller companies. Uh, I think like just globally, you're just starting to see some some real success stories, like really, really incredible ecosystems starting to get formed. Um, I think you're starting to see what has probably happened uh, in, in more established markets such as more liquidity coming into markets. Uh, you're seeing more inv- angel investment happening from founders and from operators, and you're really seeing an ecosystem get built. I think uh, South Africa, for sure, uh, is super super interesting. I do think we continue to see a trend of you know pan-African startups. Uh, I do think you know a dynamic that you see is just it's really difficult to build you know, a, a $1 or $10 billion company in a single African geography. Uh, and so while you do see uh, certain dynamics in South Africa or in Nigeria or in Kenya, uh, you pretty quickly see those companies start to scale uh, across markets. And it's just really interesting at how... Um, fast people have been able to do that in recent years and how willing uh, or, or, or the understanding that like international venture capital has, has started to get uh, in African markets uh, has just been like really impressive to see, especially over literally the last 12 months. Uh, I, it has just been a completely different market.
0: Yeah, so 4.65 billion um, in disclosed funding last year for African startups, 62% of which went to fintech. So that's according to Brighter Bridges. And I think you mentioned some of the the key markets there, Kian, but I guess I'm sort of getting on to um, and we'll sort of close on this point. You, where do you kind of see the opportunities moving forward for Stitch? And I guess it's sort of leading on to, you know, what are you sort of looking at with regards to the funding? Where's Where are you guys going to go from here?
2: Yeah, so on the funding perspective, uh, I think, you know, it, it ties directly into opportunities. For us, really booming fintech sectors uh, are are kind of what drive us, right? And I think in many ways, sometimes we joke with venture capitalists and we say, our customers are your customers, right? You're looking for fast-scaling fintechs across the continent. So are we. Um, So I think geographies for us, South Africa and Nigeria uh, are the first two geographies that we're live in. Uh, Certainly huge penetration and huge growth. Uh, Egypt uh, continues to look interesting, uh, right? And year over year, uh, that market is changing in such a positive way. Um, uh, Kenya Ghana also super compelling for us um, so I think you know w- with the funding in many ways we obviously always look at a pan-African opportunity I think South Africa and Nigeria are really meaty markets to get our teeth sunk into um, but certainly uh, you know booming uh, venture markets on, on a heat map of Africa uh, are the markets that we find compelling as well
0: yeah no I love that it's a, it's a super super exciting time for you guys um, and we'll definitely be keeping that A keen and a close eye on the sort of journey from here. Um, All right, cool. With that, I am going to move us on to our next uh, story, which comes from tech.eu. So GoCardless enters Unicorn Club with $312 million funding and $2.1 billion valuation. So GoCardless, a London-based fintech in direct bank payment solutions, has secured a Series G funding round of $312 million. This makes the startup the latest European and UK tech unicorn at a valuation of $2.1 billion. So the round was led by Premira, which brings significant experience in backing best-in-class payments and financial software businesses, including Klarna, Clearwater Analytics, and Carter. The funding will enable the platform to accelerate its growing footprint in the open banking space through product and geographical expansion. And since its last funding round in December, 2020, company's valuation has more than doubled, while headcount has grown by 85%. So Catherine, again, naturally, let's sort of come to you uh, first on this. Um, Again, huge congratulations. Really exciting time for you guys, as I've said. Can you tell us a little bit more about it?
3: Yeah, sure. So um, it's been an interesting, really, you know, if I go back to the, the Series F uh, fundraise as well, because that is obviously only just, uh, just over a year ago that we did that. Um, and I think this has all been about, you know, I joined the business three years ago um, and in just over. And then that three years about how GoCardless has really wanted to transform itself from being purely best known as someone do, who provides direct debit solutions to uh, a U- broader UK uh, based customer set, uh, to actually being much more considered to be a global payments provider, uh, the currently using, you know, focused on recurring payments as we stand, you know, currently using sort of traditional direct debit uh, type technologies, whether that's backs in in, Euro- in the UK or separate in Europe, ACH in the US. Uh, but actually now also, you know, building the platform to enable the combination of open banking to allow us to also process uh, instant bank pay, uh, which is one of the products we've just launched, launched, which allows for, you know, a much easier way of um, doing your first payment to then also follow it up and combine that with recurring payment solutions as well. So, as we embark on that journey, uh, just as Clan has said, you know, how difficult it is, it's not straightforward, the investment you really need to make to ensure that you have got everything covered from, you know, the initial checks on uh, your, sort of the merchants that we sign up, you know, through AML, et cetera, making sure that we're complying with our licenses and regulation, because we are regulated in all the markets that we operate. Um, so, all of this brings together and making sure at the end of the day that the platform gives the best possible. Um, uh, experience both to our merchants and also to the sort of user interface as well so the end consumer potentially so that kind of was our strategy that we set on we you know we are trying to basically disrupt, disrupt the payments world to be the leader in the account to account payments uh, space which means instead of you know using a, a credit card that you know focus very much on the bank account and, and processing one payment to another both in domestic environments but also cross border so um when we take that into account, we raised the money last year, which you know gave us a very solid balance sheet. And as we came through the the latter part of twenty twenty one, we were still in a really strong position. But we got the opportunity to think about where we wanted to go next. And it felt like the point in time was a really good one for us to try and tap the market again and to look to potentially also change our investor base which would be predominantly um sort of vc stroke very early stage um type investors which is a part of go to its early journey to that end we set it down this process in in the late, late summer jpm uh, you know jp margham did did help and advisors on you know throughout the process but we feel that it's a major sort of accreditation to what we've done uh, by bringing on investors both Premier but also BlackRock uh, who have also joined in part of the funding because uh, and we think that both their experience you know clearly you've just stated you know all the premier's uh, sort of relevant uh, payments experience in really taking us to the next level um, so we think that you know now having such strong investors on board we have now got a very very strong balance sheet Uh, with a lot of capital uh, which we're going to deploy though in a very um ensuring that we're deploying it in a thoughtful manner so also making sure not just focused on pure growth at the top line but also thinking a lot about um ensuring we're starting to, to make traction and and move the move the business towards profitability particularly in our car markets so it's going to kind of at some level change the emphasis not just purely on uh it You know, grow, grow, grow. Clearly that continues to be important and we're very confident that, you know, we'll continue to be broadly around the 50% growth rate mark, but also to uh, continue to sort of grow up as a company, which I think is is that stage of business that we're at. Uh, super exciting with all the things we're going to do, you know, invest both in, um, in showing that the open banking uh access is there both in the uk and in our other markets that we operate you know really you know see ourselves sort of leading that that charge and also really kind of showing how kind of taking you know that combination of using the one-off payment with the recurring is really going to make a difference
0: yeah i know and it's been a it's been a, a long journey for you guys getting here and i'm sure obviously the sort of the unicorn status um is, is a nice endorsement. And I think as well, you know, when you mentioned the sort of those best in class companies that have also been backed by Premier. Again, I think a really ringing sort of endorsement of, of, of the journey that you guys have, honoured, have gone on is sort of where you've got to uh, to now. I think on the, uh, the open banking point as well, I think that's a, a really interesting one. I know it feels like 2022 is going to be a big year for uh, open banking with the sort of end of the 90 day reauthentication rule. Everything that we've seen with the sort of conflict between um, Amazon and Visa, I think key on this again feels like a natural point to sort of bring you back in. What were your thoughts when you sort of uh, you sort of saw this one again? I'm sure one that you uh, watched with interest, given where you guys play and the sort of general overlap.
2: Yeah, I mean, we are such uh, fanboys and fangirls of GoCardless. Uh, we are uh, one super fortunate that actually Matt uh, and Tom, two of the GoCardless founders, are angel investors of ours. We are very bullish on, uh, you know, account to account payments uh, over card. And uh, really in a lot of markets, whenever we start doing market discovery, we we just think, Oh Wow, a go-cartless-type solution here would be really interesting. Um, and so for us, I think, uh, you know, one, we, we've watched the journey, and I, I think it's obviously exceptional what the what the team has accomplished. Um, two, I think for us, what, what's really validating is, in a lot of ways, you know, it's not perfectly one-for-one, one, but you almost get to validate some early assumptions uh, in more established markets, right? Like we have a broader thesis that, you know, account to account uh, becomes more and more dominant, uh, you know, bank led payments become more and more dominant over card over time. Um, and, and I think this is just like one of the great examples uh, of how that's happening. It's starting to happen uh, at real scale. And I think with all the changes in open banking, I think you only start to see that continue to steal share from Cod. Um, so yeah, hu- huge one, I, I think in general for, for the world, uh, but we watch it um, very excitedly uh, from, from our corner of the world. Uh, and I would love to see um, how we could replicate some of these products in markets, uh, what uh, the exact differences are in some of these markets, uh, but huge inspiration for us. Yeah, I think you summed it up really
0: well. I think it's a really nice point. Um, Deepa, I think um, really obviously sort of interested to get your thoughts on this generally. And then I think, you know, you had some really nice insights on the previous story about sort of African fintech and how that's booming. I guess it'd be also interesting to get your thoughts on like what does this say again about this sort of like just that sustained success that we're seeing specifically, I suppose, with London fintech.
1: Yeah. Well, again, firstly, massive congratulations. Super, super exciting. Um, yeah, very, very excited to to hear about all these uh, exciting plans. Um, in terms of, I guess, uh, on the on the open banking front, just to touch on that quickly. Um, Again, one that we've talked about on the show quite a lot, but really interesting, I guess, to see, you know, given the backdrop of the Anne Bowden comments that came out a few weeks ago, and there was that kind of question of like, you know, what does this mean for open banking in 2022? Are we going to see this still? I don't think we've seen anything like this. I think globally, we're seeing an absolute host of players, kind of a real tour de force, which are kind of really leading this charge. And it feels like a real exponential journey. I think there was the initial kind of, you know, what does this mean? There was that kind of topic around how is this being branded, how is you know the education piece really being sold to to consumers, and I think that's slowly changing as well. So the perception piece is really picking up, um, and I think that will help the growth and the kind of the understanding that you know the the, um, the utilization of of open banking is really going to help people with their their everyday lives. And I think that that maybe was missing um, in previous months. Um, On the the kind of piece around how, you know, we're seeing this globally, and especially linking that back to London fintech, I think, you know, we're seeing a real variety across London fintech. I think, you know, there was a question of, you know, are we going to see the fintech scene in London change over the next few years, given Brexit, given everything that's happening globally? And it it really doesn't feel like that either. It really feels like, you know, there is a geographical, um, standpoint that London has you know there's a real strength in terms of talent and, and capital and and it just it, it still seems to maintain that real hub feeling and it doesn't seem like anything's died especially within the fintech world um, over the last few months and you know I don't foresee that happening over the, the next coming few months.
0: No completely agree it certainly doesn't the, the, the trend we're on at the moment certainly doesn't suggest uh, that, that it's going to sort of drop off any any time soon um, Catherine, keen to just give you the, the sort of last word on this one. I know you guys have made some big sort of talent acquisitions. So, Michael Rez, the former chief commercial officer at Kleiner, is going to join the board of directors. Cohen Coppen, the chief technology officer at Kleiner and board member of um, Molly, is to join the, ind- yeah, the independent as an independent director. And I know you guys have got sort of close working relationships um, with the likes of Kleiner, with the likes of PayPal and others. Um, how much sort of like how important is 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 bringing that sort of expertise on the table in terms of this next step now in your journey?
3: Yeah, so I mean, I think we look at planner as clearly you know one of those businesses out there that have been extremely successful you know and have gone on that full journey. So we just feel that being able to bring uh, the expertise of Michael and Kern onto the board is going to be just so helpful um for a team that you know, is as predominantly kind of doing this first time for, mo- for you know for many of us. Yes, I kind of did what I did in a telecoms environment, but I've certainly not been involved in uh, you know in fintech before. Um, so it's kind of like so. I think that will be you know almost you can't pay to to get that sort of expertise and guidance uh, that we're going to get. But equally, you know, our partnerships with the likes of Klarna and PayPal we see as so important. You know, we want to help to drive um you know the access to open banking technologies, but also, you know, what we do day to day on our recurring payment side, you know, through PSPs as well. And we're not sort of just hung up on this being about go cardless. You know, our focuses are very much on B2B and always has been, as in who we serve, we see our merchants, not as that end consumer. Uh, and so we can see a great way to get access to what is basically a more, you know, a much cheaper Way of moving money, you know, it, no reliance on debt or incurring debt, even though Klarna obviously is after it. It's very different because it's not, it's not the same thing as doing, you know, your credit cards and, and all the things that have been historically linked to credit cards. You saw all, you know, you mentioned it earlier, the Amazon Visa uh, dispute and, and the fees they charge. So we just think it will help us, you know, by working with the likes of Klarna and also, uh, you know, PayPal will really help us drive volume uh, and also access to more and more people to use bank accounts as their, their core method of payment.
0: Yeah, again, look, just such an exciting time for you guys. And thanks again for coming on to talk to us about it, Catherine. All right, great. Um, We're just going to take a quick uh, pause here while you hear a quick word from our sponsors, and we'll be back shortly.
2: Decoding is back. Our hit video series returns, and this time we're getting under the skin of banks. Over the course of 11 episodes, we're joined by key industry experts to ask, what are the challenges facing traditional banks in 2022? From payment rails to lending, we lay out the landscape before looking at the problems banks are facing today and what they can do about them. Watch now on the 11FS YouTube channel or at 11fs.com forward slash decoding. Enjoy. Here at 11FS, we're still working hard to build the next generation of financial services and our team is growing quickly. So we're looking for a bunch of new 11s to join us. If you, or somebody you know, are up for a challenge and fancy working for one of Flex's most flexible companies, come check out our open roles. We have roles in growth, product, sales, talent, and more. You'll find all the details at 11fs.com forward slash careers. That's 11fs.com forward slash careers.
0: All right, welcome back. Let's get into our next story, which comes from TechCrunch. It is about Vivid Money, a financial super app raising $114 million at an $886 million valuation to expand in Europe. So Vivid Money, which is a challenger bank out of Berlin with 500,000 customers, raised €100 million Euro, or $114 million in a round of funding led by Green Oaks Capital. Other investors include Ribbit Capital and new backer, the SoftBank Vision Fund 2. Vivid has made a name for itself as a financial one-stop shop super app that, in addition to basic checking and money management services, also includes stock and cryptocurrency investing. Vivid today is active in four markets, Germany, France, Spain, and Italy, and the plan will be to add five more this year and to be available across all of Europe by the end of 2023. In terms of new products, the company is in the early stages of rolling out insurance offerings and will be introducing its first credit products later this year. The funding values Vivid at 775 million euro, which is $886 million, more than double the company's 360 million euro valuation when it last raised money in April 2021. Uh, unfortunately, Adrian from Vivid can't join us today on the show but he has sent in a couple of sound bites. So this is his response to our first question when we asked him, what are Vivid's plans with the funding?
4: We will invest heavily into product development and expansion. We want to build more tech teams to introduce new services for our customers. Definitely will significantly extend our crypto services, launch lending, and the whole universe of non-financial products. And on the expansion side, we want to add three to five more markets during this year.
0: Yeah, so, um, well, I guess, serious ambitions uh, from the guys at Vivid there. Our next question, we asked, is a pan-European super app possible? And is that a goal for Vivid?
4: You know, let's better name it a pan-European but local super app. Our idea is to provide more services seamlessly integrated within our app. But I believe that there will be a collection of country-specific products, rather than a pan European thing. Just to give an example, we've introduced recently our new service, tax return service for our home market, Germany. That allows customers to file their tax declaration easily and get tax refund directly on their vivid account. But can we have one tax return service for all our markets? I rather doubt there will be several partnerships with companies with local knowledge and experience. That's how I see that.
0: Yeah, really interesting stuff. Um, I love that, uh, that sort of contrast almost. It's sort of being pan-European, but at the same time, this sort of local super app. And I think the term super app, I mean, means different things to different people. Um, Deepa, I'm going to bring you in. What does a super app mean to you?
1: Oh my gosh, Ross! I've had so many definitions of this. So I'm going to sidestep the question if that's all right. Um, but what I what I think is really cool about what uh, the guys are trying to do is it's really kind of it's an interesting play when you're trying to pair a really traditional model, um, so you know the kind of direct debits are very traditional model with non traditional sort of newer innovative plays. So you know the crypto, the commission free trading, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, in one kind of in one single uh, experience. Um, I think what also is interesting, as was mentioned in the clip, was that kind of, you know, they're not trying to go for that pan-European play, as you just mentioned. And I think that's a real win. I mean, we've seen products really stand out by how they they specifically target kind of what those customer needs are. And I think not wanting to or, or not even attempting to tar many countries or many markets with one brush is a really smart thing to do. And the fact that they're so aware about that, um, you know, is it, it, a really strong play, I think.
0: I think I think that's such a nice point. I think that the, the whole point about localization, and I, I guess I guess that's uh, that's what the, the the Vivid guys are driving at, right? By sort of trying to keep that that local that local focus, even as they sort of expand and expand from different markets. Because we've seen so many different propositions do really well in a region or in a particular market, and then when they just try and like lift and shift into a different market, we just know that typically it doesn't work. Um, Kiana, bring you in here. What, what, what were your thoughts on this story?
2: Yeah, I thought uh, I, I thought Adrian's definition was perfect, right? I I think uh we think about the same things when you think about Pan African apps, and I think we sort of see it uh or there's like two constituencies which which try to do this. I do think you hear consumer-facing fintech apps themselves kind of get branded super apps, um, such as Chipper Cash, uh, and then uh, the telcos uh, in all of our markets, right? Um, and for me, at least, what I think about super app, I do actually kind of think of the telcos, and they are trying to do absolutely everything. They are trying to do, uh, you know, financing for your home, for your vehicles, your insurance, your credit, uh, money movement, cellular data purchase. Um, which is a bit crazy, right? And uh, it can be difficult for, you know, telcos to execute at that speed. I think where you have started to see real success um, is players go into individual markets uh, and really customize and tailor products uh, in individual ways. I think like really simple things, like just playing um, to customer needs and how easy or difficult things are to do based on the infrastructure in markets, um, has been super effective. Like I'll I'll give you an example. In Kenya, uh, right, Kenya is exceptionally penetrated uh, by M-Pesa, right? And everybody has a mobile money account. But one thing that you can't do uh, very easily is make recurring payments, right? There's just no functionality to do that. Uh, And apps that come in uh, and are able to unlock some of that functionality, whereas that's just like not relevant in South Africa, for example. Right. And I do think you just start to see like great localization. Um, and that's how I think you're already starting to see some players win um, in Africa. And I, I think, you know, similarly, it uh, makes a ton of sense in Europe. So I, I think super Shop, I couldn't have said it better.
0: No, I love, I love that point as well. Because I think Deep sort of articulated the point around the sort of localization point so well. And then I think the other, the other sort of, I guess, lens, Kian, that you sort of put on that for me is like, you also need to sort of like personalize the experience at like the individual level, right? And I think it's one thing to have a super app where maybe it does cross-sell, yeah, like you said, between banking and telco or whatever, whatever that is. But actually, what are those like intelligent experiences that you can layer on top that make it feel like it's personalized to me as the end user? Um, and I really like that. And I think actually, so one of the things that um, I think Vivid does really well is around sort of financial education, investing. It's about sort of, helping um users to understand um investing in stocks and currencies and that sort of stuff, people that are are not sort of very familiar with crypto and decentralized finance to sort of ease them into that. And I think that's a really nice point. Um, Catherine, what were your sort of thoughts when you uh when you read this one?
3: Yeah, I mean super interesting. Um and uh I think what's what you know, everything that's been said is obviously very relevant, but also the way I see it is uh, it's very, uh, it's really interesting sometimes I do tie back what I do today to the world of telecoms because I used to you know be CFO of a telecoms business that ran a network across the whole of Europe. and one of the things we were predominantly European based even though we're headquartered in the UK. and one of the things we always said though was that there are nuances in even mar- in each market even though you think everything's the same. Each, you know, there still was lots of like there was local regulation, et cetera. And you would treat fiber differently in Italy to what you would do in France or et cetera, et cetera. And I think that all goes even more to financial services. And certainly one of the things that I was um, kind of amazed at when I joined Catalyst is, you know, you take SEPA and you think, okay, SEPA at least itself does work across the whole of Europe. But then there are nuances with the way that the ACPR regulates it or the way that, uh, you know, the Irish um, um, sort of authority does. And so nowhere is the same. And I think that's one of the things you've done. I think one of the great things that these guys have done is thinking about trying to bring that all together. Um, so I think that's a great. And then secondly, I think the point you've just made about the f- sort of continuous financial education, particularly of that next generation. You know, I'm obviously a lot older than, than you guys and been around um, a lot more, but seeing the way that... You know, I have two teenage daughters trying to get them to understand about the way that money works and money flows. And I think by using these, you know, everything is obviously all online and that's what they're obsessed about. Uh, But I think by able to bring on all that on and and getting these apps that were so fluid and so make that end user experience so much easier and that consumer experience is great. And we at GoCardus really want to facilitate these sort of businesses because we believe we can provide that back infrastructure and network to allow these things to all happen seamlessly. So, you know, yeah, it's a great story.
0: Yeah, which I think actually kind of loops back to uh, something we talked about in an earlier story about you know if you get that the infrastructure piece right, then the experiences that you can layer on top are so much richer. And to your point about the the the, the financial education of like young people, I saw some research this week. Something like uh, young people form financial habits and behaviours that last a lifetime by the age of seven, and something like eighty-seven percent, I think it was, of um, teens struggle to make just basic everyday spending decisions so I think yeah again just I completely agree that sort of financial education financial literacy piece particularly at an early age is just so important um all right cool um I am going to move us on now to our next story um which comes from Finextra so fly now pay later ink deal with booking site alternative airlines uh, UK customers using Global Flight Search and Booking Site, Alternative Airlines, can now access additional options to spread the cost of their flights at the time of their booking. So using FlyNow PayLater technology, British passengers can now choose to split the amount owed over 12 months by selecting FlyNow PayLater at the checkout on the Alternative Airlines website. FlyNow PayLater, founded by CEO Jasper Dykes in 2015, now serves hundreds of thousands of travellers in the UK. US and Germany. Uh, Jasper Dykes said, Our mission has always been to make seeing the world and connecting friends and family as easy and as affordable as possible. So, alternative airlines customers will be able to access loans of up to £5,000 when booking travel abroad. Um, Dean, I'll bring you in first here again. What, uh, what were your thoughts when you read this one?
1: Really, really interesting conversation. Um, there's there's a number of things, I think, to, to pick apart about this. Obviously, there's the core kind of buy now, pay later um, conversation and the pros and cons, which I'm sure have been debated at length. Um, what I think is really interesting about this is that there's obviously that ongoing conversation around um, buy now, pay later with regards to kind of high street purchases. This is obviously quite a different kind of the um, type of purchase in a very different dimension of conversation. So um there's kind of the whole idea behind you know we're talking about a very different we're talking about a much bigger purchase we're talking about um you know potentially some price fluctuation as well and I wonder whether you know that brings in the regulation uh, that makes the regulation discussion that much more relevant um so I know that the FCA have talked about um about upcoming regulation I know that TransUnion one of the biggest credit agencies are starting to bring in a buy now pay later um Uh, data as part of their credit rating i think that's later this year so i wonder whether you know we're starting to see as these kind of buy now purchases become bigger scale it it really changes the shape of how we're going to you know consider this from a a risk and a um, a regulation element
0: yeah i i I mean yeah i think i think i think that's a really interesting point i've actually tended to be quite bullish right on the, the buy now pay later space but i think i definitely will happily recognize that this space needs to be um regulated and I think the sooner the better I think I was quite concerned actually when I read this story I mean up to five thousand pounds on travel to me feels like all right great I can go out I can just put the holiday on my dreams and not worry about um sort of paying for it at least in the moment um Catherine what were your sort of thoughts uh when you read this one
3: yeah so it's, it's interesting because travel is a, a sort of a sector that we um actually don't really serve at go Cardless. Uh, For one of the reasons being that, um, you know, the recurring payments um, world of using direct debit, if you use backs, I don't know how much you know about it, but basically you get the right to call back your money. So from the GoCardless perspective, if we um, offer sort of, uh, you know, allow travel companies to pay in installments using um, our DD product, we effectively carry that risk because you may get a charge back that ultimately means that, you know, we end up uh, having to fund the consumer back. Uh, so for us, it's, it's an area that we actually deliberately said um, that uh, sort of at the moment we're not serving, although we are looking at ways that we can do so. Clearly, I think travel being accessible to everybody is something that's super important, um, albeit that, you know, there's still also impact. I've got I have sustainability as responsibility here as well. So, you know, there's still always that environmental impact, but I do believe generally that traveling is a good thing uh, and, it uh, you know, enlightens people and, and needs to be open to as many as possible. So I think it's great that these sort of things allow that, but I do think... I think it definitely needs to be regulated both from the businesses that are going into and offering the credit facilities because I think we could end up in all sorts of problems if there's a lot of small entrants come in, you know, everybody feels they can do this and start to lend, and ultimately they themselves go, you know, bankrupt both that their input on both the merchant who may be providing the services and the ultimate the consumer as well, though that they may feel they've lost access to a holiday or whatever it may be. Uh, so I think it is definitely one we need to watch. So I'm with you. I think, you know, look, we Uh, at GoCalis have always operated within a regulated environment. It's not as, you know, as regulated as if we were a bank, but we are still regulated, you know, as a payments provider and and the scrutiny that the FCA, et cetera, give us is is more than when even I joined three years ago now. Uh, That being said, I think that it's actually a good thing as long as you engage with the regulator, as long as you talk about the problems you're trying to say. So, I am not, you know, totally against regulation as long as it's, it's sort of deployed sensibly uh, and actually works with businesses and, and to grow, you know, what is obviously innovation, which you need, but it does need to be controlled. I mean, I'm also coming at this obviously from being the CFO. and thinking a little bit more about the risk side, uh, but it's definitely something that I think needs to be a bit more at the forefront uh, of people's minds.
0: Yeah, I really, I really, really actually like your... Uh point about sort of travel should be accessible to all and I I completely agree and of course we're coming off the back of a a rough couple of years right for the the travel industry where people couldn't travel um so so that sort of opening back up and becoming more accessible I do think is a good thing um Kian keen to sort of bring you in what were your what were your thoughts on this
2: one Sure. Yeah, I think uh, my initial reaction was similar to yours, Ross. Uh, I did a bit of a like a gasp, sort of like five five thousand pounds, and they're they going to do this. Um, and similar to Catherine, uh, you know, I I think uh, travel historically really high chargebacks uh, can be a little risky uh, from a processing perspective. Um, so. I conceptually think it's great, right? I especially think uh, when you think consider African markets where disposable income is typically uh, a lot lower and people just don't have the purchasing power up front to buy tickets like this. I think that's awesome, right? I think that's uh, a really important thing and enables travel. Uh, I do think it's a really scary thing uh, and if not done properly, uh, and perhaps like regulation is the way to do this, um, uh, I do think that can go barely up pretty fast uh, and could be net negative. Um, so I'm sure there is a, a, a happy medium. Uh, I do imagine, uh, it needs some degree of regulation before, um, uh, things like that, uh, could really reach scale or, or do, could do so, uh, in kind of a safe way. Um, uh, but as a general concept, I, I, I totally agree that I think it's great to open up, um, travel.
0: Yeah, no, look, I, yeah, I think I totally agree. I think it's, and I think we're all aligned, right. That that's, that's sort of, um, an important thing it should happen but I suppose it's doing it in a safe and controlled way right so I know the FCA has said that there was a sort of urgent uh, quote-unquote need for regulation I know there have been some consultations looking in this space I think Labour Stella Creasy has said that the market's a financial scandal waiting to happen um, so I don't feel like we should uh, we should drag our heels on this one Um one point that um, I actually sort of made a, a note um, to sort of remind myself um in 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 our show notes was um around this sort of emerging concept of um sort of save now pay later um specifically sort of referencing back to accrue savings and and the idea of sort of it doesn't necessarily replace by now pay later but at least sits alongside it and sort of empowering people to actually put a little bit aside a little bit aside and sort of incentivizing to them to pay for things that way rather than necessarily taking out credit or debt in the form of uh Buy now, pay later. I don't know if there's any sort of thoughts on that from either of you, and then we'll sort of wrap this story there and move on to the next.
3: Well, I mean, I, I personally think that, yeah, that absolutely needs to be sort of more installed in, in people. And, um, you know, I think that if we can encourage saving to be easier, for it to be transparent, that you can put this a little bit amount, and maybe, you know, there's some of the things that, Something, you know, like, you know, the new apps can do that shows you how your money is growing. If it's sat in a savings account, you see that, you know, literally happening in front of your eyes. Um, You know, I think there's lots of good that can come with that. So I think it it could really is a, a way of bringing it full circle. I think after, you know, sort of doing the buy now, pay later definitely has a place. But equally, I think encouraging people to save is something that, you know, as a society, we need to definitely sort of get better at um and living in this debt world you know doesn't really work long 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 term so you know sounds you know feels like a great concept
1: I'd agree I was just gonna make the point about financial literacy because I think we've kind of touched on that a few times over the show but I think that's that's a very key point and I think that kind of saving now what you know what does that mean and and almost just having that kind of picture of like you know you're, you're buying this now or you're saving this later what does that mean how does that impact um the years to come and making that crystal clear to people is you know something we're starting to see out oh, some really cool fintechs but um just a really really important part as we see the financial world get more complex and as we inevitably start seeing the players become a bit younger as well
0: yeah and and increasingly digital right because it's not just like oh here's five pounds off you go but actually teaching kids how to manage money in a digital context and all that sort of stuff i completely agree um, okay, I am going to move us on now to the part of the show where we quickly round up some of the other stories from the week that we don't have time to cover, but they definitely do still deserve a shout out. So Deepa, do you want to get us started?
1: As covered in FinTech Insider episode 600, Apple is introducing a new feature that will allow businesses to accept credit cards and digital payments with just a tap on their iPhones, bypassing hardware systems such as Block Square Terminals. The feature, to be launched later this year, will use near-field communication technology for making all kinds of payments, including between iPhones, Apple has said on Tuesday. The tech giant added that it would not know what was being purchased or who was buying it, stressing on the service's privacy feature. Fintech services Stripe and Shopify Point will be the first to offer the tap-to-pay feature to business customers in the spring of 2022 in the United States, the company said in statement. So really big forays into financial services have been teetering for a while now. And we know how Apple feels about payments. We know that it's super crucial for them. And um, this feels like the start of a whole new set of kind of seamless journeys, you know, critically how we see Apple do them in their in their very seamless way. Um, but I think what's, what's unclear here is what their long-term goals are. So it feels like Apple's strategy is more around partnering with merchant services providers rather than actually displacing them, but definitely one to watch as we could see this kind of evolve in future months and years.
0: Yeah. Totally agree. And I think that privacy point is key, right? I think Apple's like the anti-Facebook. So I think they will probably get that trust element
1: as well. I think that's really important for making this successful, right? It was a very emphasised point in the story.
0: Completely agree. All right. Okay. The next one comes from FinTech Futures. New neobank couple set to launch in India. A new neobank designed specifically for couples is set to launch in India. Uh, Named couple, and that's without the E at the end. The digital bank allows users to set up joint accounts and manage their money together, including savings, expenses, and investments. The fintech says it is building banking products for the 200 million millennial couples across the world. The Bangalore-based fintech claims to be backed by Entrepreneur First and angel investors from the banking, financial services, and insurance sectors. The couple card can be used for all shared expenses, and the app provides analytics and insights into spending habits. The app also provides for wealth management, bringing together investments, loans, and insurance all in one place. So I think at the practical level, I'm all for anything that makes managing like household finances and finances in a relationship easier. On the romantic level, I just love that they announced this the week before Valentine's Day, and I think go for it, guys. I love
1: it. Super. Kissed pay, and that is Q-I-S-S-T-PAY, a buy now, pay later startup founded in Pakistan, is entering the U.S. with an online shopping tool for retailers. Kisspay CEO Jordan Oliver said the company is introducing its one-click checkout product in an effort to expand to North American markets and plans to increase their work- workforce from 150 to 350 by the year's end. Kisspay wants to capitalise on the explosion in e-commerce stemming from the pandemic. And last year, the company raised $15 million in pre-seed and seed funding rounds and opened an office in Bangladesh. The plan will bring hundreds of jobs to Pakistan and the goal is to become one of the first unicorns in Pakistan, said Olivers, who is a veteran of Binale Pay Later firm Klaner. So in their own words, I think they're trying to solve the problem of credit in Pakistan, which is a real kind of customer pay point. And really interesting, obviously, given all the backdrop of Binale Pay Later and the conversation we had earlier. But I think what will be interesting is to see how this then kind of, um, it evolves and matures into an organization, I guess, looking at stemming the pain points back in Pakistan, but obviously looking at um at expansion.
0: All right. Um let's bring everybody back for the final story of the week. It's a good one. Um so Will Farrell invests in Danish Challenger Bank Lunar. It's according to DI Digital. the so US comedian Will Farrell is the latest investor in Lunar, a challenger bank based in Denmark. The American actor is also set to be part of the Challenger Bank's marketing, including an ad campaign that starts next week. Lunar has released a teaser for the campaign in which he says the word Lunar multiple times. I really hope we have a sound clip. I think we do. While in a long, blonde, Nordic-style wig. Sorry, I don't think I can make that happen for you on a podcast. The amount that Farrell has invested remains undisclosed, but Lunar CEO, Ken willem Clausen, told Nordic Press we do not state his ownership share, but we would have had to flag it if it was over 5%. In a written statement, Farrell said, Nordic people are smart, sexy, and are tired of having their money messed with. That's where Lunar comes into play as a digital disruptor in the financial industry. The Danish Challenger Bank raised more than $345 million in capital in 2021. So we do have that sound clip. And if you haven't yet heard Will Farrell saying Lunar in that teaser clip, here it is now. Lunar.
2: Lunar. 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 Lunar, 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 lunar. Lunar, 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 lunar. Hey, lunar! Lunar, 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 lunar. Lunar.
0: That is excellent. And also, I would highly recommend anyone just go check out the the clip as well, because it's funny as hell. And Kian, you look like you really enjoyed that. So I'm going to bring you in first. What hear your uh, your thoughts on this story?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's great. Uh, Big Will Ferrell fan. I think Uh, we're super pro uh, in general celebs coming in and being brand ambassadors. For FinTech, uh, I think most recent examples actually in African markets are Burner Boy and Chipper Cash, uh, as well as WizKid and Flutterwave. Uh, I think it's a lot more accessible to people. Uh, there's a huge amount of distribution. Uh in general, it just provides like a weird amount of legitimacy and trust, right? That you're able to uh, partner uh, with these these global brands such as, you know, like a uh, Owl Ferrell at this point. Um, so we think it's great. I, I think it only speeds things up. Um, I think Will Ferrell is just a nice, fun, light way to do it. Uh, so it's super. We're, we're really, really pro uh, seeing more of that happen.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Kian,
2: what's your uh, what's your favorite Will Ferrell
0: movie?
2: Um, I think it's either got to be Step Brothers or... I think probably Step Brothers just because I used the Did We Become Best Friends gif on a daily basis um whenever talking to a new investor (laughs) and um the ballad of Ricky Bobby Talladega Nights is is just a classic I could watch that any day I
0: just I just feel like there's no wrong answer to that question apparently our audience said old school and is also a great example also a really great shout um Catherine what do you what do you think of this one
3: yeah, so it's it's interesting. Obviously, as a, when you're more into a slightly B two B space or supporting the merchant side, you know that sort of you know the sort of celeb endorsement thing is kind of not so relevant to to go cardless. That being said, I think you know everything you said about the the what just the fact that you can get it to a wider population. You know, I had no real understanding until I have had I said two teenage daughters of the quite how much tension they pay to anything that shows up on TikTok or Instagram. And pretty much they will only buy something or only desire something that has been sort of they've seen on a TikTok or, an, you know, an Instagram influencer. And so, you know, I'm really starting to see the power that that this has. So, you know, I think if we could get somebody who would talk, you know, we talked a little bit about the, the financial education, get some of these these celebs like doing that to this younger generation that is so important and about how using all the the kind of new apps that are out there, all the new so the new new banks, how they're better for the environment, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I think there's a hugely powerful message that message that can definitely be given there.
0: Yeah, no, totally agree. And this definitely has that sort of viral potential for a TikTok or
1: an Instagram.
0: Um, Deepa, last word to you on this one.
3: I feel like I'm gonna be a
1: bit of a fun sponge here, so apologies. Um, all for the wider distribution and anything that obviously can make financial services more cool and relevant, it's absolutely great. Um I guess my, my slight health warning here is that um i'm really keen that the the message doesn't get lost underneath the kind of veneer of like you know the kind of sub-branding and, and everything that sits on top of that i think the actual kind of you know what is the product what is it doing is it actually you know targeting the right pain points is it doing it in the right way i think those are important and as long as they don't get lost then great or for it yeah
0: no lover um, and i am going to give a special mention actually to uh our very own jason bates and ali patterson their shout for their favorite will ferrell movie was the lego movie um And I really like that sort of out of the box thinking. Um, All right, cool. That wraps up this week's news show. So thank you so much to today's guests for what was a really fun show. Um, Guys, I'm going to go around. I'm going to ask you where people can find out a bit more about you. Uh, Kian, let's start with you.
2: Sure, yeah. First and best place is probably our website. uh, So stitch.money. Or you can find us on Twitter at stitchmoneyhq. Um, That will be your best bet. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, Catherine, where can people find out more about you?
3: Definitely the website. Um, so if you go to gocardless.com, there is loads of information on there uh, that also helps you get going. If you're in the UK and a small business and want to sort of collect cash uh, quicker and easier uh, from your, your customers, then sign up. Um, it's very easy to do and, uh, you know, enables you know us to help you get paid by your customers so you don't have to um, sort of chase them.
0: Awesome. And look, thanks again so much to you, to you both and you know for coming on to talk about your, your really exciting news. Um, Deepa, where can people find out more about you?
1: Uh, on LinkedIn at Deepana or 11FS.com.
0: Excellent. And as for me, as ever, you can find me on Twitter at rossgallagher 07. And thank you very much for listening. Please do join in the conversation on social media or email podcast at 11FS.com. Thanks again for listening. Goodbye.